Men, you can be seated. Pueden tomar asiento. If you have kids, they're dismissed to our children's ministry. Um, and if you have a Bible, I want to invite you to turn to Ephesians chapter 2. Um, there are Bibles in the back if you want to grab one. Um, we have them in English and Spanish. They're easy to follow along with, easy to read. Um, you can keep it too if you'd like a, a Bible. We'd love for you to have that as our gift. If you don't have one, that's easy to read. Um, let's pray together. Our God, we come to you because we hope to hear from you. And we come because we're all going through different things in our lives, but we gather together knowing that you can um, do amazing things in us and through us and for us. And so we pray that as we gather together this morning, that you would speak in our lives and that you would not only speak in our lives um, as, as individuals, as people, but that you would speak in our lives um, as a community, as a body, as a family, um, and that you would change the world in our lives and through our lives. Um, amen. One of my favorite movies is a movie called The Way, Way Back, and most people have never heard of it. Um, it came out about six or seven years ago, maybe, um, and it's the story of this uh, teenager who is kind of goofy and awkward and strange, and he gets this job at a water park. And because he gets this job at a water park, he starts to find more confidence. And it's mostly a comedy. It tells a bunch of funny jokes, and it's about a kid at a water park. Um, but there's this deeper thing that, that goes on because this kid becomes more confident and becomes uh, more comfortable in his own skin over the course of a movie. And the reason I love that story is because that story is very much like my story. I love that um, I, I worked at a summer camp when I was in college. And if you know me, this might sound kind of, you might not believe this, but when I was growing up in high school, I was really shy and I didn't talk very much and I was sort of this awkward kid. The awkward part is probably not that hard to believe about me, but um, the quiet and shy, that's, that's who I was. I wasn't very confident as a person, and I, I worked in this camp, and it, it really did change my life, and that's not an exaggeration, and I think the reason why I love that movie is because the story of a young guy who finds confidence in a summer job means a lot to me because that's my story. And we started this series last week where we are talking through the story of a New Testament character named Paul. And 
we're not just talking about the story of Paul. We're talking about the story of us, and we're talking about the story of God. Because if you read the Bible, there are 66 books in the Bible, and they're written over hundreds of years, and they are written from a lot of different authors. And if, if you're not paying attention, you miss the fact that even though it's written by this large group of people over a large group of time, you miss the fact that Jesus is at the center of the entire story. So even though they may not name him by name at the beginning in Genesis, he's in there. And even though there are some stories in the Old Testament where they don't name Jesus by name, he's, he's there. And the whole point of this series is not just to talk about Paul and to not just talk about his story, but it's to talk about the story of Jesus and how, how do we share that story to people that we know. At the end of the day, what we're going to talk about for the next few weeks is how do we share our faith with the world that sometimes does not care about the Jesus story? Because when we think about sharing our faith, we have a picture of people standing on the side of the road with big giant signs telling people they're going to hell, or uh, the people that maybe you have met in your life that try to beat you over the head to believe what exactly is you believe, and if you're wrong, then you're this evil person. And, but we have this story of Jesus that runs throughout the scriptures and runs throughout our lives, and the question that we want to wrestle with is, how do we share the story of Jesus with people without beating them over the head with it? How do we share it in a way that people can actually connect with that story and have their lives changed because of it? And if we're going to talk about sharing the gospel, which is what we say a lot, um, the gospel means good news. If we're talking about sharing the gospel, this good news with people, then the question, one of the questions we must ask ourselves is, what is the gospel? What is the story that we're trying to share with people so that they can be changed? And that's what we're going to talk about this morning is, if we're trying to share our faith, if we're trying to share our go the gospel, what is the gospel that we're trying to share? And that's what we're going to talk about in Ephesians chapter 2. And we're going to read the first ten verses, but we're just going to read two or three at a time. So we're going to start in verse 1, and we're going to read the first three verses. Ephesians 2, 1 through 3 says this. Once you were dead because of your dis disobedience and your many sins, you used to live in sin just like the rest of the world. Obeying the devil, the commander of the powers in the unseen world. He is the spirit at work in the hearts of those who refuse to obey God. All of us used to live that way, following the passionate desires and inclinations of our sinful nature. 
By our very nature, we are subject to God's anger, just like everyone else. So, Paul is writing this letter, and he's writing it to a church. And in this chapter, especially at the beginning of this chapter, these ten verses we're going to see that he makes out a very clear case of what the gospel is that we are trying to share. And he starts out with this sort of depressing news by saying, you were dead because of your sin. You were dead because of the sin that lives in your life. And that is hard for us to hear Because we don't like thinking about our own sinfulness. And I think if you were to, in fact, I know that if you were to take a poll of people and ask, are people good or evil, then what we would say is is probably, I feel like people are mostly good and they have some, some bad things going on. But the picture that's painted throughout Scripture is that we all have these evil hearts, that we are dead in our sin. And again, I know that sounds harsh and hard to hear, because when we think about our own lives, most of the time, we don't think about our own sin. Which is kind of strange, because a lot of times it's, it's easy for us to see the sin in other people's lives. If you think about people that you work with, family members, friends, and you were trying to make a list of the sin that exists in their lives, it would probably be very easy for you to come up with a list. Even for the best people. I think it's, I think it's easy for us to see it in other people, but Paul starts out by saying, we were dead in our sin. And that's just a hard reality to come to grips with. And I think if we're going to be clear about sharing the gospel with other people, then we have to be honest about the fact that we are messed up human beings. That there are things in our lives that we are not proud of, or maybe we are even proud of them, but they destroy our lives, they destroy our relationship with God, they destroy anybody who gets in the way of our own selfish desire. It's not a pretty thing to look at your own sin. But Paul says, if you're going to know the gospel, and if we're going to share the gospel, then you have to know it starts with this idea that we're not good. We must look at our own shared humanity and our shared sinfulness. That there are things in our life that take us away from the life that God wants for us. That at times, we look at what God wants for us and we say, I don't want it. I want what I want. And you may have grown up where every story that you heard, like a a testimony of some person's life, was I was um, addicted to drugs, or I had this long criminal history, or... uh, you know, name a list of like 10 bad things that, especially a lot of times in church, we say those are the really bad things. And then I, I'm, I'm done with that. 
And you may not have a history of, you know, like long addiction, or you may not have a history, like a long criminal history, or, but I think all of us, if we're honest, we can look at areas of our life and say, there are places in my life when I'm selfish, and there are places in my life where I'm hateful, and there's places in my life where I choose to forgive, and there's places in my life that I'm, I'm dead because of my sin. I am dead to the life that God has for me because of my sin. If we're going to understand the gospel, and if we're going to share the gospel, we have to understand this first basic fundamental truth, and that is that we are dead in our sin. And I use that harsh language because it's in the scriptures, but I want us to be very aware that even if we've been following Jesus for a long time, that stuff sometimes still exists in our own soul. It's still there. But that's not where the story ends. That's just where the story begins. The story keeps going. And in verse 4 through 6, Paul says this, But God is so rich in mercy... And he loved us so much that even though we were dead because of our sins, he gave us life when he raised Christ from the dead. It is only by God's grace that you have been saved. For he raised us from the dead along with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms because we are united with Christ Jesus. So we're dead in our sin. And notice what, notice what Paul says here, is that we, we don't pull ourselves up and conquer our sin on our own. We're dead in our sin, and Christ comes in and pulls us out of it. That when Christ, who died, was raised to life, that not only was he raised to life and beat death, but he was raised to life and he beat our sin. All sin was destroyed by, the, by what Christ did. And for those who trust him, who believe in him, that we are raised to life, that we are no longer dead in our sin, but we are now in the family of God because of what Christ did for us. That we were dead in our sin, and Jesus came, and he rescued us. And I want to be clear, the image here is one of rescuing. It is that we were hanging from a cliff, and Christ reached his arm out and picked us up. That we were in the eye of a tornado, and Jesus came and sheltered us and kept us safe. Whatever metaphor you want to, want to use that that we were dead and raised to life, but, but we were on a path that would do nothing but destroy us and tear us away from being part of God's family, that we, were, that we were actually not part of God's family because of our sin. But Christ came and brought us in because of his sacrifice, because of his death and resurrection. The image is one of rescue, that he came, and because of what he did, 
that we don't have to be dead anymore. We are raised to life. So the first part of this, sharing the gospel, is that we were dead in our sin. But Jesus came and rescued us. And then what happened? What is on the opposite side of rescue? And that's in 7 through 10. So God can point to us in all future ages as examples of the incredible wealth of his grace and kindness toward us. As shown in all he has done for us who are united with Christ Jesus. God saved you by his grace when you believed. And you can't take credit for this. It is a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done, so none of us can boast about it. For we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus, so we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. So we are dead, first part. Christ came and raised us to life, second part. And the third part is now we are his masterpiece. We are his finest creation. Not only are we part of his family, but we're not the part of the family that gets pushed to the bedroom when neighbors come over because he's embarrassed of us, but he's the one that he introduces us to everybody because he's so proud of of us and all the work that's been done in our lives. We are not dead. We are not helpless. We are not hanging from a cliff anymore. Now we are his masterpiece. We are his work of art to proudly be put on display for future generations to know and see this is what God can do in the life of a person who trusts and believes in him. We were dead in our sin, but Jesus came. And now we are his his masterpiece. And the hitch point is what Christ did for us. This is not our own effort. This is what Christ did for us. And because of his sacrifice, we go from death to life. We go from shameful, disobedient, rebellious people to... Proud image bearers of Christ. That on the opposite side of Jesus, that we look totally different from the way we looked before. And this is important for us to remember. And it's important for us to remember, not just because we can tell other people this concept of being dead in our sin and Christ came and now you can be new. But we can tell people that this is what has happened to me. And this is what can happen in you and for you. That that what we can do is that we can point to the way that that has shown itself in our own lives. Is that if we are going to share the gospel with people, we can't do it apart from the story that has worked itself into our own lives. I told you earlier about that movie. I will tell people about that movie if we get talking about movies 
because I love it so much and it means so much to me personally. And I think if we are trying to tell people the good news of Jesus, if it doesn't mean a lot to you personally, they're never going to believe it. And if it's, if it's not part of your story, then you're not going to be able to share it with someone else. We have to be willing to let Jesus come in and do the work in our lives in order for us to really tell people what the gospel is all about. And so the question that we must ask ourselves is, has this something, is this something that has really taken root in our lives? And I'll tell you that, you know, I've, I've been a follower of Jesus for a long time, like half my life now. And, and that's a lot of time. Um, but I still see areas of my life where I'm, I'm in this first place where the sinfulness that's in my life still shows up. I mean, just this, this very weekend, I have three young kids. And um, they were doing something, and I was asking them not to do it. And I started out by asking nicely, and it didn't go very well. And they stopped listening to me, and um, I finally just lost it. Um, and I came un- unhinged on my children. And not in a way that was out of discipline. Um, and not in a way that was out of wanting to correct them, and not even really anymore in a way that wanted them to listen to me. I was just angry, and I wanted to take it out on them. I, I didn't beat them or anything. I know that sounds really, really awful. But as I was yelling at them, there was this thing that just revealed itself in me that was like, that is not of God. And that is not out of a, a holy place that you want to discipline your children. That is of anger and walking away from Christ. And this is not out of a healthy place. And so, even though I am dead to sin, that stuff still shows up in my life. So it's not like you just say... You know, I I prayed one prayer, and that's it. Christ continually does the work in your life. And if you're willing to let Christ continually do the work in your life, you're going to continually be aware of the sin that's in your own life. But after this little breakdown I had, I'm having this realization That without Christ, I'll have more and more of those breakdowns. And instead of becoming aware that the way I acted this weekend was unholy, I justify it, I say it's okay, and it just gets worse and worse. But hopefully, because of the work Christ is doing in my life, 
then, you know, I'll still discipline my kids, and I'll still expect a lot from them, but I'll do it in a way that points to the good news of Christ rather than just my own anger and darkness. Um, in, a, in a couple weeks, actually uh, next week, uh, I, I grew up in this uh, church in Memphis, and I didn't really care about faith when I was growing up. And it was a pretty small church, and um, it's still there. And my parents don't go to that church anymore, but we still know a lot of people that are in that church. So months ago, the pastor who has been the pastor since I was a teenager, asked me if I would come back to, to preach in this church. And I haven't been in this church in a long time. And we've been talking back and forth, and I, so I'm, I'm going to do this. I'm going to preach at the church I grew up in. Which for some of you who may have grown up in church, you're like, oh, I don't know what I would do in that situation. And I'm not sure they'll ever ask me back after I do it. But, but... I've been talking with the pastor, and he said something, it's been about a month ago now, we were talking about texting back and forth, and he said, some of the older people in the church, they are, they are not going to believe that Russ Paulsgrove is up here and is a, like a pastor and a preacher, and because they know the type of person I was uh, when I was in high school and when I was in college. And or at least at the very early of, in my college career. And um, I thought about that, and I thought about, well, of course they're not going to recognize me because Christ has been working in my life for 20 years now. And I'm a different person. And I'm not a different person just in the fact that I'm older and I'm more grown up. But I'm, I'm a different person because Christ has done real redemptive work in my life. And so when I think about this story, I think about the person I used to be, and sometimes still am, because that darkness shows up. But Christ came in and rescued me, and I'm in this place where I can point to a long line of redemptive work that Christ has done in my life. And I, I realized this morning that I have been doing a lot of talking about myself. And it's easy for me to do because I like myself. But I think more importantly, if we're, if we're going to challenge ourselves as a church to share the gospel with other people, then we have to come, become familiar with our own story and the redemptive work that Christ has done in our lives. Because I go back to what I said earlier. If we tell people all the time, you are dead in your sin, and Christ came to rescue you, and you can experience goodness and redemptive work then maybe that'll catch me. But if we say, I was dead in my sin, and this is how. But Christ rescued me, 
And he's doing redemptive work in my life. And this is how. How much more powerful is that? How much more drawn in would you be to that story if somebody that you know and love and trust tells you that story? That this is the work, this is the work that Christ is doing in my life. That I am becoming a new person because of Christ's death and resurrection. We cannot tell this story in a vacuum. And we cannot share the story of Jesus apart from our own story. And if we can, we have to question how much work he's actually doing in our lives. And you're never going to be able to share anything that you have not experienced for yourself. You just won't. That's what sharing is. Is I give a piece of something that I have to somebody else. And if you have not experienced the gospel, there is no way you're going to convince anybody else that the gospel is true. And so the question we must ask ourselves is, where am I when it comes to this good news? Where am I dead in my sin? Where are the moments in my life where I knew God rescued me? I've talked to some of you, and you know those moments. And you know, and some of them are big, and some of them are really small. But those moments are there. And where is the work that God's doing in my life? How does it show up? And if, you, if you've never had one of those moments, I would encourage you to consider if there's decisions that you need to make right now in order to believe God's redemptive work in your life. Maybe just an admission of your own sinfulness. Maybe a willingness to trust God, even though you don't understand Him completely. And and maybe a dedication to continue to trust in God to change you. I I don't know what that looks like for anybody in this room, because I know that we're all in different places on our journey, and that's okay. That's why we're a family. That's why we talk about, we come from many different cultures, but we also come from many different homes, from many different spiritual backgrounds, from many different places on our journey, but we all share one Christ, so we can be one body. I think it's good to wrestle with this one question. Where are you on that journey? Let's pray. God, we come to you in this time um, knowing that we're not perfect people. And sometimes it's hard to even think about what might be next for us. And I think there are a lot of us who think we're just going to get trapped in the same old 
broken cycles that we keep repeating. But God, you deliver a way out. Um, and you deliver a, a way forward. But it is only through your son Jesus that we are saved. And it is only through your son Jesus that we, we receive rescue. So God, for the people in here who have believed that for a long time, and, and maybe don't really experience your presence right now, I, I pray for you to show the, re, the redemption, the redemptive work that you've done in your life, in their life, to this point. Um, and remind them that you're still working on them. And if there's people here who know that they're dead in their sin, but also want to make a, a decision to trust you, that, that you would prompt them to do that, encourage them to do that. And God, more than anything, help us to be effective communicators of your gospel because we have experienced it in our own lives.